Hello, everyone out there. This is yours truly, Lupe from the film Exiles, and I am joined by two of my favorite film Exiles. We're bringing you uh, Ian in, number 24. Uh, I'm joined by Christian, and I'm joined by Manu. Christian, welcome. How are you doing? Uh, during this uh, difficult, uh, very confusing time, hope you're corona-free. I, I think I am. I'm feeling pretty healthy, uh, you know, going a little crazy at work. I think like everybody else is, as we start, you know, trying to transition to remote and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, hey, man, we'll deal with it. I, I hope you guys are healthy, too. All right, cool. And we are joined by our uh, our honorary fourth member, Manu. Manu, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, thanks for having me on. Good. Cool, cool, cool. So, guys, um, we know this is a very difficult period for a lot of times. There's a lot of um, tension, a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, even if people are not, you know, concerned about health, there's also, you know, the economic anxiety. And everybody's just trying to, you know, survive and, 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 and do well in this time. So, we hope that this podcast episode will uh, shed some light on some things. Um, we're going to talk a lot about coronavirus and about how it's going to impact the movie industry. Uh, we're going to be very realistic. We're not going to sugarcoat things. Um, but at the same time, there is some optimism and there's, there's some good uh, things to talk about. So we hope that this is entertaining and informative for you. And we hope it gives you some relief during this difficult time. Welcome to ENN. 24. So today we have uh, just two topics to talk about. As I said, the main topic is just going to be about the coronavirus and its impact on the movie industry. We're going to talk about uh, the response from the National Association of Theater Owners, what their concerns are. We're going to talk about the change in landscape of theatrical releases, how things have been postponed, how uh, production has been postponed within, within the uh, movie industry about streaming options. We're going to delve into all of that. And then just for a, a lightweight topic, just to ease out, we're going to do a good uh, reaction to the Batman. Uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman, we're going to react in full to the costume reveal reveals, the Batmobile reveals, the Batbike reveal, and uh, we'll end our ENN on that note. So let's start with uh, this statement from the National Association of Theater Owners. Now, in response to a lot of uncertainty in this time and movies being postponed, which we'll talk about more soon, they issued this official statement. Although there has been speculation in the media that the temporary closure of theaters will lead to accelerated or exclusive releases of theatrical titles to home streaming, such speculation ignores the underlying financial logic of studio investment in theatrical titles. To avoid catastrophic losses to the studios, these titles must have the fullest possible theatrical release around the world. While one or two releases may forego theatrical release, it is in our understanding from discussions with distributors that the vast majority of deferred releases 
will be rescheduled for theatrical release as life returns to normal. So um, let's start with Manu. What's your immediate reaction to this um, statement by the National Association of Theater Owners? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start by saying that uh, the entertainment industry gets a, a pretty bad reputation. And um, so sometimes they get, um, what was the word I'm looking for? They get a lot of negative press from certain some from certain um from certain sides due to how they um they try to interfere uh politically and so on and so forth uh but this time i really think that they are doing uh the most responsible thing i think that this is the right way to go um i'll also add that there's this part where they say that um uh, about how uh, the studios are invested in the theaters. And I think that that's something that we forget sometimes when we talk about the growth of streaming and so on and so forth, is that, you know, uh, the studios uh, uh, invest in the in these theaters and um, in their well-being as well. And I think that that's something that we need to remember. So so this, this impacts everyone that's involved. And in fact, the studios and the theaters and the employees at the theaters and and you know just us film fans it affects everyone the, the entire world over but I, I really do think that they've made the right decision this is the right choice to make uh and because there's you know as important as much as we love film uh people's health and safety is far more important and we got to do everything that we can to make sure that you know people are as safe as possible going forward mm, sure um christian what do you think about this statement by any I don't really have anything differ, you know, anything different to add to what Manu said. I think he put it pretty, pretty perfectly, honestly. And what he, I, I hung on one little thing that he said in the middle that I, I couldn't agree more with. And and you think about the the number of people that they support, that they employ, very important part of the economy. Um, you know, you see what's going on with restaurants and everything. We're going to get into more of this later, I, I know, in the pod. But uh, I agree wholeheartedly with what he said. And, I, and uh, you know, I think that you're right. I think a lot of people forget and they get a bad rap. And I think a lot of people forget about that, that there is a lot of good people in there. And, yeah, so honestly, I, I don't have a ton to add to what Manu said because I really think he, he put it perfectly. So, it, but, but it is something – I don't even know what else to say. This, this, this whole thing has got me very sad. <laughs> So I'm trying to just I'm trying to be very more upbeat. So I will be more upbeat for some of the other uh, topics. But uh, thank you for putting it so well, Manu, because I really don't have much to add to it. Okay, Um, for me, I'll I'll take another perspective. Um, We had a discussion just about our country's our country's response to the outbreak and whether they're they've been doing enough whether they are um, procrastinating and whether there will be dire repercussions for that. So this statement is in response to them completely, like several of several theater chains completely shutting down for uh, the meanwhile. But before they did that, they did try to institute this sort of um, social distancing policy where the capacity of theaters will be reduced to about 30 uh, percent it was half in my area it was half in your area okay so, half, so yeah. yeah they did that in new york state as well yeah, yeah and then they, they would you know ensure that they're disinfecting and cleaning 
surfaces a lot more frequently. Like when that uh, measure was was put out, I just rolled my eyes at it. Like it, it's such it's such BS because the virus is airborne. So you're putting people in a confined space and the air is recycled in there. It's not like there are wide open windows, um, like you're outside or something. And the way the virus is transmitted is it's an airborne virus. That's why wash hands as much as you can um, and stuff like that. But the reason why it's so highly contagious is because once you breathe the air of someone who has it, you're going to contract it. That's why it spreads so incredibly fast and that's why it's, its attack rate is so high um so this them doing this you know shutting down completely um i i think was in response to to two things to one pe people were just not going to the theaters anymore so them opening their doors there were a lot of fixed costs that they would be incurring um, and they just weren't going to get revenue over that. So I feel like, to be sincere, I don't think that they did the right thing in a timely fashion. I think that they were forced into into shutting down. Um, also, some states have mandated that you know theaters shut down as well. Um, the NATO is a special interest group. So obviously, they're very concerned about the long-term health of their industry. Now, they are a retailer of the product of studios. The studios are the producers. The theaters are the retailers who distribute it to the customers. The problem that they have is that there are other distribution channels, such as streaming. It's a different experience, but streaming is a way that producers can get their product to the customers. And one of the things that they have to contend with is changing customers' tastes and lifestyles. And once people taste something and experience it, it sort of becomes a norm. It becomes ingrained in the culture. So if people see that, look, you don't have to put movies in theaters or you don't have to put them in theaters for so long, then that uh, expectation becomes a reality. And even when life returns to normal, it's something that uh, customers are going to begin to ask for more like, why is this in theaters? Or why can't they just you know put it in streaming? And there has been a battle between um, studios and theaters about the moratorium, the 90-day theatrical window. So this statement um, is put out there to sort of quell those expectations, to sort of add some spin to the narrative and the thought processes that are going around in customers' minds of, oh, they're just going to, you know, cancel movies and it's just going to go direct to stream and then they're trying to put the word out that, hey, look, guys, um, you know, we've had these discussions, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to be the case because, you know, it's not going to be beneficial to this, 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 blah, blah, blah. It's just a postponement. You're not going to get it in streaming. And um, so, yeah, this statement, I, I am concerned for the, for the theater industry, but 
this statement um, to me reads reads biased, but they are a special interest group. So they are supposed to be looking out for their industry, trying to maintain the integrity of their industry, uh, maintain jobs for their employees, maintain profits for their investors. Um, yeah, so I think it's just it's a it's a very interesting that there's so many cogs and so many moving parts. And we'll discuss. Uh, we'll discuss it the further we go. Do you guys have anything to add to that? Uh, I was gonna ask you. Do Do you think that streaming these movies is a uh, is a is a good idea? Would you how 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 would you feel about like the the list of movies that we're gonna talk about that's been postponed? Do you think that it would be a good idea to just have them straight out to streaming? Well, the thing about it is this: is that if you postpone these movies. When are you going to postpone them to? They're all going to land in theaters at the same time. And theaters are going to be crowded and they're going to fail anyway. That's one thing that I've been thinking about. When whenever, when they're saying, you know, all these movies are TBD to be determined when, like, so what, you're just going to all dump all the movies? On the I mean, I mean, weekend? obviously that can't happen because yeah. another, another thing that has happened is, and it's something we're also going to talk about later is, movies that are filming right now are being are stopping in the middle of their productions as well so there is going to be a, a window of time where you know when when you know when eventually things get back to normal where you know there's like these movies are going to take the place of movies that are being filmed now that was going to going to be released then so i'm thinking that there there is going to be a window of time for these movies to be released in theaters what? But the ones that are being, the ones that are filming now that are going to be postponed, those ones are going to, are those ones going to, you know, come up against movies that are going to be filming after, after this period has, um, has I mean, that's passed. the thing. It's hard to tell because there's just so much that we don't know about the situation well, and, yeah, and I so mean, on it's... and so forth. Well, but I, I think that a movie studios like. Studios have like, a, a certain capacity, right? So, like, I apologize for interrupting you, Manu. Like, I, I, the studios have a certain capacity, like, no matter who they are. Even if they, they could be as huge as Warner Brothers and Disney or they could be smaller. They only have a certain capacity at any time to be producing a certain number of movies. So if three movies get punted to later in the year, that's going to move everything. Because when they ramp up production again on those three movies, it's not like they can just suddenly go to the other three that were scheduled to start at the same time and start production in them and have six movies going at once. They might not have the resources to be able to do this. This is going to change a lot mm -hmm. going forward. There's, I think there's going to be a big this, domino all effect. All kinds of crap's going to get shuffled. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a big, yeah. big domino yeah. effect. And, and I mean a movie like, like uh, Fast, is it 9, 10, 15, whatever. Like, <laughs> like Fast, that, that, that movie went yeah, like whenever it comes out, uh, they they bank on that international box office. You know that's that's where they make. Right. You know, so they they need to wait for this thing to to pass for it to be able to to get the numbers that uh, the Fast and Furious franchise have become accustomed to over the years. Mm -hmm. Well, with with the with the streaming options, obviously it's a case it's on a case by case basis. As you said, there are considerations like that, like international markets who may not have streaming options available to mm -hmm. them um but also a lot of these movies a lot of the movies that are being uh, released on streaming are ones that are already in theaters so you yeah. can't so there's no there is no hope or no realistic um action that you can take in terms of postponing them you're not just gonna 
you know, stop and then when theaters open back up, the movies is still out there. No, 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 that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. And plus, you know, we, we can't forget also about, you know, a bootlegging. That's a that's a huge issue exactly. that Hollywood has been dealing with for years and years and years. And that's oh, that's God, the main years. reason they have that this this 90 day memorial uh, that's why they they want it to be shortened because mm-hmm. the longer time of movies in theaters the 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 high the more time that bootleggers have to make to make copies and to have that out in international markets before they can get get it out on streaming so mm-hmm. like, like you said earlier there's so many cogs there's so many dominoes that are going to fall due to this uh but um but yeah uh, carry on sorry yeah yeah so um I, it's it's really uh, the the people I'm most concerned about are the theaters. The theaters they have such a unique business model. They 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 distribute a good that is not an essential good. Mm-hmm. We love movies, and we would argue that they're essential, but they really are a luxury. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. live your life without yeah. ever going to to a movie theater. But yep. then also it's it's a situation where people have to congregate. So the elasticity of demand is very, very, very high. And then you have a good in this time where people are discouraged from congregating. So they're one of so for example, like um grocery stores are gonna do huge numbers in this time, even though people congregate there. Because they're selling things that are necessities. People have to buy food. People have to buy toilet roll, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> toilet are paper you... shortage, man. There's Dude, a shortage, man. I played, I, <laughs> I played all of The Last of Us, and I didn't see one toilet roll. <laughs> and I, the, the Last of Us 2 has to have toilet roll in there, or else the game is just not good. <laughs> It was a leaf, bro. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, so to continue, to continue, um, I'm really concerned for uh, the impact this is going to have on theater owners now and in the long run. Now, because of the losses that they're going to take, because of their employees and what it's going to do for them being out of work. I mean, this is this is really tragic stuff. And then in the long run, because of the change in behavior and, and culture and expectation of customers as it pertains to the 90-day theatrical window, as it pertains to streaming options and how people are viewing the movies that they get. So with that being said, that's a good segue into this news item. NATO asked Congress for a bailout. And they sent an official letter to Congress, and it's titled, Theater Owners Urge Congress to Move Quickly on Aid. They pledge $1 million to movie theaters' employees. And this is a statement. The movie theater industry and its employees ask for Congress and the administration to urgently consider the following immediate relief measures, which we hope will allow the industry and its over 150,000 employees who live and work in practically every congressional district to weather the present COVID-19 crisis, including loan guarantees that ease a liquidity squeeze imposed by fixed costs in the face of non-existent revenues, 
tax benefits to assist employers with providing support to employees, relieving the burden of costs that are ongoing despite closures, and tax measures that allow theaters to recoup losses when the industry is back up and running. The business model of the movie theater industry is uniquely vulnerable in the present crisis. As we confront this evolving and unprecedented period, we call on Congress and the administration to ensure that America's movie theater industry and its tens of thousands of employees across the country can remain resilient. Additionally, the executive board of the National Association of Theater Owners, NATO, today authorized $1 million drawn from the association's reserve to aid movie theater employees who are out of work due to movie theater closures stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic. The money will be used as seed funds for an effort to help tight workers over in the crisis in cooperation with our industry partners. Details of the fund will be released shortly. So, guys, what, what do you think about this? Do you, do you think that uh, Congress should help them? Um, do you think that the one million that they're drawing from their uh, reserves is is enough? I mean, they have over one hundred fifty thousand employees nationwide in the U.S. We're not talking about the world. Um, what do you guys think? There's a lot to chew on there. Um, you know, I think that this is something that's going to be happening. Well, if, if we're just going to take the United States. This is something that's probably going to be happening all across the country in many different parts, in many different industries. And I don't know now, A, I don't want us to panic, but I don't necessarily know how we come back from a capitalist society is not meant to slow down for 18 months, let's say, until a vaccine is ramped up. And then we go through three waves of a coronavirus outbreak. It's just not meant to do that. 30 days, maybe. 30 days, maybe. But an 18-month slowdown would paralyze our economy, and you'd probably be looking at 20% unemployment, and now you're talking about Great Depression Part 2. So before yeah, – Don't panic, though. No, I know, <laughs> but, but, it's, but that's the point. I mean it's – you. what I'm trying to I say love is the way it's almost said, like you – I love the way you say Great Depression Part 2 like it's a sequel. We don't, we don't want it. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's, it's a sequel you don't want. I mean it's almost – I'm trying to say like – don't panic, but it's almost like you kind of have to do things that are panicking in nature in order to stop that panic. Like you're going to have to do some things that this trillion dollar package that they're talking about, that, that they're trying to push through the economy, whether or not that's the right thing to do, it may be something that you have to do in order to stop the panic. Back before, back in the day before like World War One and everything, the state is what stopped all this stuff from happening. Then we got past World War Two and we got into liberal economics and the free market and that's what took over and blah, 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 blah. And now we're going back to that again. So I think this is something that might have to happen. The restaurant industry, I think, is in, an, is in the same boat. Can you imagine how many restaurants are going to die in the next two to three months? It's, it's incredible how many people are probably going to lose their jobs just in the hospitality industry. And I think that if we don't for small businesses, if we don't do something for certain industries, I think we are in a lot of trouble. I work in the construction industry. So for me, it's infrastructure, it's building roads, it's building bridges, it's drinking water, things like that. For the moment, we're okay. I can see little parts of it starting to break already. There's gas mains and things like that that we're being told have to get shut down. These projects have to stop. They're going to stop in the middle of the project. They're just going to pause it. And when we, when we talk to people and say, when are we allowed to move forward? They go, well, we don't know. 
Everything's just up in the air. We don't know. So I think things like this are going to have to happen because it's really going to be the only way to give people an opportunity to bridge the gap before we go back to some sense of normalcy again. So I don't know if that answers your question, Lupe, but it's just I think that right now these are things that may have to happen, especially in industries such as movie theaters, restaurants, Mm -hmm. other aspects of the hospitality industry that are extremely, extremely vulnerable during this time, especially if you don't want to see mass layoffs and you don't want to see people not being able to pay their rent buy their food, feed their families, forget going on vacations and all that other bullshit because that can't happen. I'm just talking about basic necessities right now. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. it. And that's what you need to give people. You got to give them at least that to feel Mm -hmm. like they can move forward and get out of this. I I, I completely agree with you. Well said. Manu, do you have anything to add to Chris's Uh, arrow? uh, Yeah, yeah. I I completely agree with everything that he said. Uh, I just like to add on the the whole capitalism is not meant to slow down for eighteen months. <laughs> like I think that that's um, <laughs> that's um, that's um, uh, that's um, I, I don't think that I think that that's putting it very mildly. I think that capitalism is not built for anything resembling this at all, and I think it's it's starting you're starting to at see all. the cracks, at and all. I think and, and and I think it's I think we're starting to see the the. The cracks, and I think that what's good is uh, a lot of people are feeling just how uh, capitalism doesn't always work for them. You know, people are beginning to see how, yo, I can't work for two weeks, uh, and, and like I can't lose two weeks of work. Like that's that's the society we live in. That you know, the kids are out of school because the schools are closed, and people don't know what to do with their kids. Uh, people can't feed their kids because so many of them were feeding them with the school lunches. Uh, just to help them out with the, the how much money they were spending on food every month, and, and now that's something that they have to think about as well. And and I think that you know whether this is the way to go or not, I, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I just know that people need help, and people will need help. That this whole thing is going to get a, a lot worse before it gets any better, and it just goes to show you just how unprepared and unequipped we all were for something that scientists saw. Coming for quite a while. Let's this thing didn't come out of out of nowhere. We didn't know when it was going to happen, but uh, scientists have been have been pre- uh, predicting this and warning us against something like this for quite some time, and we were completely unprepared for it. And it shows because the system is not built to 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 handle such things. It's built to create wealth, not to take care of its people. And I think that right now you have to care for people because if there's no people, there's no system. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And, you know, before you go back to Lupe, I think what you said at the beginning when you guys were talking about the first topic is very important. We forget about the people that are involved in this and watching movies, enjoying movies is a quote unquote first world issue if they go away. Right. Um, It does it. Does it kill anybody if we don't have movies versus we don't have medical supplies? That's like not even a conversation. However, like the restaurant industry and like other areas that we just spoke about. This supports a lot of people's livelihoods. We call it the movie industry for a reason. It is an industry. It is an entire industry. So this supports a lot of people's lives. And, and, and it's not just the creatives and everything. It's everything. It's the guy serving the popcorn. It's everything. It's It, it absolutely supports so many people. You can't and also, let and you also everything gotta just add, die. You, you know? got to add the people 
people that work on film sets, like the people that we never right. talk about, the, the camera operators, the boom guys, the guys that 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 go into work at two o'clock in the morning to set up a goddamn light. Like, right. like these are things right. that we never talk about when we talk about the movie industry. It, it, it feeds so many mouths, and Hollywood is one of the few, one of the few industries that still exists that still has very powerful, long-running unions that are still doing well. And, and I think that that's something that you got to protect because when, when we talk about movies, we talk about box office and Rotten Tomatoes and, and we also talk about um, how much money is being spent and the, the actors' salaries and so on and so forth. But you forget that there's a lot of real people that that this is their – this is how they make money. This is how uh, – I know that when uh, when um, uh, the Netflix show uh, with Kevin Spacey was – was fearing uh, being canceled. Uh, I live in I live in Maryland. They they shoot that an hour away from me in Baltimore, and I and uh, there is a large industry of people that uh, was that <laughs> that were making a living because that show was being shot in Baltimore. Right. And there was a, a huge surge of people trying to save the show so they could save their jobs. And these are people that we never talk about that get lost in the shuffle of all of this. And and honestly, if if anything good comes out of this whole virus situation i think that we we need to remember the human faces in the middle of all of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um Absolutely. i think you guys there's nothing more to add to to it just in terms of um look into the future i hope that this reality is able to shake people and it's able to awaken their intelligence and their insights into the world into the way politics works into the way the system that you are a part of and the system that you own which we all own on an individual level either works or doesn't work for you and i hope it affects people's votes and decisions people's um perception of politics and policy i i really i really hope so because um not to get political, but as Manu said, we were not prepared for this. And the system that we have is not prepared for this. And it should not be the case. And when you're voting, when you're making you know, decisions, and that's what we always tell people, vote. It's very important. People think it's a joke. When people say, like, this is your life, this is the life of you, your, your, your children, your family, generations, all that stuff. This is real-life proof that politics matters. The interplay of political power, it matters. And it's going to have a direct influence on you because everybody's feeling this. Like, it doesn't matter what level you're on. Everybody's feeling this. Whether you're a rich person with a 401k that's that's evaporating into thin air, you're going to recover, which is fine. Or whether you're someone who is, you know, working a middle class or a lower income job and is going to feel it directly if you're like in the hospitality industry or if your work is slowed down or completely stopped. Um, I work in the hospitality industry, so we're feeling it right now. And I, kn- I know it's going to get worse, you know. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think the bailout, if Congress should ex- definitely extend it to these people because they're very numerous. And one thing about capitalist economies is that 
it's a multiplier effect. The more people have money to spend, the better the economy does because they put that money into they put it into the economy and it multiplies and people are able to spend it. The less money people have, the worse the economy does. So um, I really hope that they get the, the help that they need in this time. Um, and yeah, it's very sobering and, and you know, our, our positive thoughts are definitely with them. Um, so let's move on to specifics about uh, the changes that we've been seeing uh, in the theatrical window and all that sort of stuff. So there are three categories to talk about. One is uh, VOD releases. So some studios have uh, quickly moved to release uh, movies that have released in theaters on streaming. So instead of waiting for the entire 90-day theatrical moratorium, they are releasing them to streaming very quickly. Next category is movies that have been postponed. So these are movies that were going to come out in theaters in the next couple of months within the window of this coronavirus pandemic, and they have been moved forward. Then the third uh, category is movies in production in which the production has been postponed. Um, so let's start with the movies that have been announced will be released and streaming imminently. So I have a list of some notable ones. This is probably not every every movie. If you can think of any um, and you'll listen to this, feel free to mention it in the comment section. Uh, talk to us about it on Twitter as well. So Emma uh, will be released on the 20th of March. It's in theaters right now, but theaters have closed. Trolls World Tour was supposed to release on the 10th of April. It will release on VOD immediately on the 10th of April. Frozen 2 is available right now. It wasn't expected to come to Disney Plus in streaming for weeks. It's available right now. Bloodshot, which has only been in theaters for about a week, um, is going to be available on the 24th of March, which is next Tuesday. Birds of Prey, also, it's going to be available uh, next Tuesday, the 24th of March. The Gentleman is also going to be available on the 24th of March, next Tuesday. The Invisible Man is going to be available in two days from this recording. And this might be the day that you're hearing this on the 20th of March. Also, The Hunt is going to be released on the 20th of March. So, guys, what do you think of this strategy um, by studios and what do you think of the short-term impact and the long-term impact? Let's start with Christian on this one. You know what? This is either, this is strange. This is going to either be like an aha moment, you know, kind of like a watershed thing, or it's just going to be a blip on the radar screen and it's something that's happening in the short term simply because of what's happening with the coronavirus. Now, I'll give you a number. Um, before we got on, I was taking a look on, on a little bit of research. And in 2002 in North America, we sold 1.5, I think it's 1.57 billion tickets, right? So they were, they were just going on the ticket numbers alone. Now that, that was the highest they ever did. Now inflation adjusts the actual dollar amount of that, right? So the dollar amount can go up and down, uh, just based on inflation numbers. 
we've never sold as many tickets in North America as we did up up till then. And we've held the number fairly steady around that 1.4 high 1.3. But in the last five years, it's gone down to the mid 1.2s, 1.3s, 1.2s, 1.3s. And last year it was down at 1.25. So that's, that's scary from if you're looking at it just in terms of a North American box office, I'm not talking about the international, which all of us, we've talked in the exiles, how important the international box office is to movies. It really like that, that movie Warcraft, you know, China was so important to Warcraft made so much money over there and American audiences just didn't give a crap about it. So I think that's, that's the only danger is that we've talked about on the pods and off the pods, the battle between the theater owners and the studios to see if they could shrink that 90 day window. Um, the studios still want to make as much money as they possibly can. Obviously they don't want to share the money. However, getting it out there, getting the theater experience to people, getting kids and their butts in the seats and getting the parents to spend the money and all that is so important. Uh, having still that experience of going to the theater and seeing things in Dolby digital and, you know, maybe seeing something in IMAX, that's still very important. They, they film these movies thinking like that. I don't think Jurassic world was filmed for the small screen. I think that's filmed for the big screen, but it's interesting that they're, they're trying this to say, can we recoup some of our money here by bypassing all of that when less and less people, at least in this big market are going to physical theaters. They're sitting in front of their big screen TVs with all of this, all the competition for their eyeballs. That's what I wonder about if this is just a blip. Or if this is something that's going to change moving forward. My personal opinion is I think it's a blip because I think that there seems to be that commitment still to the theater experience. But if all of a sudden they make a shit ton of money and they make a buttload of cash, how could they ignore that? The only way you could ignore it is by saying this is an extenuating circumstance because of what we're dealing with with the coronavirus. That's the only way you could ignore it. Other than that, though, you make a ton of money here. I don't know. So I'm interested in what you guys think too, but I, I do believe this is a short-term thing. I don't think this is a long-term thing. It's interesting that they're using more movies, by the way, that have already kind of done their theatrical run or, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So they're not saying, well, no time to die is coming out Ah, screw that. We're not going to bother with that. We're going to release it on demand instead. They're still planning on a, you know, the, it seems like this is stuff that either is in theaters and it's like, shit, we missed out on a bunch of money because of coronavirus or, Eh, it's already did its run. Let's bypass the 90 days and see what we can do. So mm -hmm. just that's why I think it's more short term, but anything's possible when money's involved. Mm. All right. Uh, Manu, do you do you have any analysis of this? And if you want to talk about particular movies, I think that there may be some in here where uh, the, situ the, the particular mm. situation is quite interesting uh, for the movies. Good um, point. Uh, I, I'll say uh, on what Christian said, I do agree that I do think it's going to be a blip. And um, well, and again, it, it really depends on how long this goes, how long uh, this uh, virus continues to, to wreak havoc and how long it's going to take for us to get back to a semblance of, of normalcy. But I, I also think that when the virus has run its course and when we're slowly going back to, you know, being who we are. I actually think that we're going to see a huge upswing in in people going to the theater. I think people are going to want to get out of the house. I think people are going to want to to go back to the theater and explore and experience things that they couldn't for so long. I, I think that people will miss, uh, you know, the theater and that it might have uh, it might have a positive effect on you know 
theaters when they reopen their doors. Um, now, as far as the movies that they've chosen, I think that that uh, we we've already mentioned how a lot of them have been uh, in theaters already, and that this is the smart thing to do uh, instead of just holding them and then bringing them back in two or three months whenever the theaters room. Because uh, Emma has already been out for some time. Am I right? Uh, Emma has been out for for three to four three weeks now. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know that's that's uh, that's as much money as a studio is probably going to make from a property like that. Uh, Bloodshot, I think, is the most interesting one because it's only been out. It came out I think it's last just 12 Friday, days, dude. Not it came out last yeah. Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's the most interesting one. But then again, do do they really have much of a choice? Uh, the Invisible Man has had a, a few weeks, and The Hunt just came out last week as well. So. I think that these are all very real and interesting test cases and that I think that we might learn a lot, but also I think that it's, it's really due to the virus and that's, that's why we're being forced into this. I do think that the studios are committed to the theater experiment uh, experience. Um, uh, a lot of the new cameras that um, uh, the, the, a lot of the projection projectors that are used in theaters, uh, the, 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 the theaters and the studios worked out deals to make that happen because it was important for the studios, uh, for the theaters to keep going with their technology so that they could keep showing movies there. So they are financially invested in these studios as well. So uh, in the, in the theaters as well. So I, I don't see it going away. I'm just really, really happy that the gentleman is coming home soon. Cause I really <laughs> love that movie. <laughs> did you, did you just see it? Like, uh, no, what? no, 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 no. I saw it uh, when it was in theaters. I just okay. wasn't on, I just wasn't, uh, you know, on social media for a bit, but no, no, I saw, I saw it, uh, um, about a month ago. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. It came, it came out very early here in the UK. It came out about the second of January. Yeah, um, that was I, upset yeah. that you got to see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I well, wasn't. We upset. got we got the way back first, so. That's one. That's one that I need them to release on streaming because in this time, you know. We need to... <laughs> but okay, so so let me let me try to to you know talk about this from angles that you guys haven't covered you guys have done a, a good job all right so first off let's talk about the psychological human part of it during this time when people are in isolation people are looking for things to do so uh watching movies is one of them now of course there's an unlimited catalog of movies you know released over the decades for you to tap into but also, um, people, you know, would like to see something new. And when they're not able to go to the theaters to see something new, the having that streaming option at home is 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 wonderful. And for a lot of these movies, people have been anticipating them for a long time. And so, um, you know, having that satisfaction of you know watching that movie that you've been anticipating has been growing in your mind, and you've been you know. Uh, looking forward to streaming does a, a good job in that. So I think that this is actually like a good strategy. Um, if a movie like uh, Frozen Two, um, Disney Plus is use is going to use that to boost their subscription to their service. Now you may think that that is a uh, some sort of uh, really. <laughs> horrible capitalist thing to do oh coronavirus strikes ah time to get disney plus subscriptions you know up but um it's pretty much what what they're doing because they had a post on twitter 
that was kind of gross because um, they kind of like jumped on on the fact that people were going to be um, isolated and so you know subscribe to Disney Plus. They didn't word it properly. Um, a movie like uh, Birds of Prey is a movie. I think the marketing for that movie was terrible. We did a like I think we did the best breakdown of why Birds of Prey was not a box office success. Um, we gave we must have given up to mid, uh, mid like 15 or something reasons why most people you know try to hunker down on one thing but we gave up to a dozen reasons why that movie failed and i after having seen the movie i actually think it's a good movie it's one of my favorite dceu movies um i don't think it's bad at all so i think wow. that this wow this, yeah i think that this will give uh audiences an opportunity to see the movie rather than it languish in theaters um where it's more of a commitment time money effort to go to the theaters to see something that you uh aren't excited to see because of the failing in marketing kathy ann was uh on twitter you know um campaigning a little bit for it to be released on streaming and then a couple days later the studio announced that they will oblige um a movie like the hunt as well that's a movie that wasn't doing well financially in theaters so rather than have it languish in theaters not make any money get kicked out and you know just be idle basically, which is what happens for a lot of these movies. It's coming to streaming very quickly where the commitment is um, a lot a lot less. The only thing is that these movies are on VOD and the price that I've heard is quite prohibitive. I think it's about $20 yep, for, a, for a three-day yeah. rent. 48-hour yep. rental. Yes. That just... Yes, that, for a two-day like, like, yeah. like, come on. Come on, guys. That's just silly. That's yeah, but but they, they'll, they'll test it. That, that's what it, that they're they're just gonna see what the market will be. Yeah, market, yeah. Yeah, they'll, well, they'll yeah. see. They'll, they're, yeah. they're gonna test out a bunch of stuff. They'll Good see how people respond. I think I think some people, of course, will will jump on it from the jump, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, obviously, the the good I thing think... about. Let, let, let me just wrap this up. The good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The go good ahead. thing about um internet and, and telecommunications is that there is a very uh, fast rate of response so if the price is too high you may see it begin to fall in like a week and two weeks so it might go 20 and then in a week's time 15 in a week's time 9.99 in a week's time 2.99 and exactly. uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. so christian what, what were you about to add no, I think what you said is it's very similar to what you just said. So there's not a, a lot to add there, but there's a lot of people out there. How many you see it online? They talk with you. They're like, I'm going to wait for streaming for that one. <laughs> well, here's your opportunity. You're going to pay yeah. for it or yeah. you're going to wait until it's either on Netflix or Hulu or one of those. So now we'll see. And and it, if people put, you know, again, I know the quarantine and the coronavirus and everything being stuck at home will have something to do with that. But if the money where your mouth is, if that whole thing happens, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if that 1999 is the right price point for this. I just yeah, don't know. Same. And in terms of a long-term, long-term prognosis, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think this is going to have a long-term impact. As mm. Manu, you, you've 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 mentioned that they're testing. This is definitely going to be workshopping. 
They could yeah. be paying close attention to the of demand, course. the response. I would agree um, with that. Because if you if you remember, a lot of those um, so the Hollywood Reporter at the end of the year they do these roundtables with studio executives, with actors, with uh, producers, with yeah. cinematographers. I love those, and I encourage you guys to watch them if you're a lover of film and you want to know more about how films are made and and the minds behind your favorite films. You should watch them. They're very very entertaining, very interesting, and informative. And one thing that has come up several times in the studio uh, executives' um, roundtables has been shortening the theatrical window. Studio execs want to shorten it, but theater chains obviously don't want them to. And it's, they're, they're both partners, right? So they both have interests and you know there's bargaining. They both have their chips that they can use to push each other and make sure that, you know, the other doesn't, you know, um, have too much advantage over the other. They try to work together to make money together. So um, I think that this happening, I think it's going to push audiences to be a little bit on the side of of the studio executives who want to shorten that window by some. I think you, we may begin to see a situation where if a movie is just failing so much, a lot of times theaters push the movie out. Like their movies, I can't remember the movie, the, there was a movie that opened um, this year and it was quickly out of theaters and I wasn't able to see it. Um, we might have a situation where if theaters, you know, shut a movie out because it's not performing, then it can immediately go to streaming. You know, that sort of thing can happen. Um, so I think this is going to change the way people, the way the expectations people have. And um, I think that's going to have some impact in the future. That theatrical window, it's it's coming down. And um, it's going it's, to, it's just going to happen. It's, and I think this is going to make it happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Again, because uh, there's... I, I, I really want to wait and see how the world responds post-virus. I just want to see... Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing the end of like that the, the, the theatrical run. Uh, maybe, maybe in this day and age where everything moves faster than ever, 90 days is a lot. Maybe it should be cut down to 60. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that um, that um, this is not going to. I, I just don't think that in the long run that this is the situation that's going to to make or break it. I think that this is a very peculiar situation. It's a very um, uh, it's a very difficult one that everyone is still trying to like navigate. Uh, but I, I just don't think that uh, the numbers here that we'll get from here are going to be like a def- definitive. Um, uh, are going to be good enough for us to know if, if, um, if uh, the if that um, if that uh, stretch run should be cut or not. I just don't. I don't, I don't think that this this is going to going to be that. I think that there's going to be a lot of workshopping, a lot of ideas floating around as they should, as they sh- should. But I just think that y- you can't make a final decision based on what was occurring during such a such a difficult difficult time. Okay. Interesting. So this this is something for us to, you know, keep an eye on going forward. Um, Tell us what you guys think in the comment section or on Twitter. Do you like the fact that these movies have come to 
streaming so quickly or are you uh, more proponents of the theatrical experience and do you think it depends on the movie because that's another thing to consider some movies um need to be seen in theaters and some quite frankly don't so uh, yeah we'd love to we'd love to hear from our audience on this so next section let's go up to movies that have been postponed now these are movies that were supposed to come out in theaters but their release date landed in the heat of the coronavirus pandemic and so their release dates have been moved forward so i have a couple of notable ones fast and furious 9 was supposed to release on the 22nd of may it has been pushed a year to the 2nd of april 2021 annabellum uh, the release date is to be determined. Mulan was supposed to be released on the 28th of March. The release date is to be determined. A Quiet Place has been p- to, has been pushed from March 19th to an indefinite date. No Time to Die has been pushed from April 10th to November 25th. But No Time to Die is quite notice- noticeable because it was the first. They had the foresight to do this. Um, I don't really the foresight, maybe the fortuity. Because they had a big promo set for Italy. Because they shot a lot of the movie in Italy. And Italy is one of the first um, European countries or West Western countries to experience the outbreak of the coronavirus on a, on a big scale. And so they were able to analyze the situation, how it would affect their business. And they moved it to November um, which is actually quite a, a good sort of accurate postponement because a lot of experts are saying about four to six months um, for this horrible period to face itself out. Next up, uh, My Spy, uh, movie starring Dave Bautista as we move to a to-be-determined date. New Mutants. <laughs> it's a joke <laughs> at this point. How people are like finally not, those finally mutants are not those those mutants those mutants are not new anymore, man. Oh my god! I just I'm just letting you know I got I got logged out of Skype for the last 20 seconds. I'm just telling you, so I just, I just I just missed the last 20 seconds of what you guys said. Yeah, I just signed. He was back. just he was so, just going down the list of movies that got pushed back. You didn't miss much. Yeah. Oh, then it, oh, so then I heard New Mutants and everything went. The poor mutants. Sorry, go ahead. It's been pushed back so many times. And finally, they were like, April 3rd is coming out. And we're like, I don't believe it's coming out. I won't believe it until I see it. And surprise, it's not coming out. It's been postponed. You're not going to see it. (laughs) The date is indefinite. Okay, next up, Antlers, a horror movie. It has a uh, a yet-to-be-determined postponed date. Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, has been postponed from 3rd of April to the 7th of August. Black Widow, Marvel's massive uh, summer tentpole, has been postponed from the 1st of May to a to-be-determined date. The Lovebirds, starring uh, Kumal Nanjani and um, Issa Rae. Oh, that's how you pronounce it? Yeah. I had no idea how to pronounce that dude's name. Uh, I always <laughs> call him Kumal. <laughs> Um, has been uh, postponed 
to uh, to be determined date from April the third. Mm-hmm. The personal history of David Copperfield, starring Dave Patel, has been postponed from the eighth of May to a to be determined date. Spiral, which I was quite looking forward to, uh, a Saw story starring Chris Rock in this sort of very interesting reboot of the franchise with Chris Rock playing a dramatic, serious role, has been postponed from the fifteenth of May to a to be determined date. Another of my most anticipated movies of the year, The Woman in the Window, starring the luminous Amy Adams, um, has been postponed also from the 15th of May to a to-be-determined date. So, guys, what do you think about um, these movies? Are any of these movies amongst your most anticipated movies? Um, Does it break your heart to see them move? Um, Do you think this was the right decision to make? To postpone them, or should they have just been left in theaters? What do you think the future implications are? Just you know, go all the way in. Let's start with Manu. Oh, shit. no time to die, yeah. bro. No time to like. I was really Dude. looking forward to that. Dude. I was, I was uh, oh, yeah, I was that, that, so to and it. like you said, it was the first one, so right out the gate, your heart's broken, and yeah. and now I'm waiting every day to hear about Tenet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like every every day yeah. I wake up well, like they're gonna push back tenant. They're gonna push back tenant. Today's the day, but you know <laughs> but no, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's it's the right thing to do. It's you know, just just hold them until, you know, people can go to the theaters and people can enjoy these movies as they were intended. Um it sucks that we have to wait longer, but I think that, you know, I think it's I think it's fine. We'll be okay. You know, we we keep saying it, you know, these movies are a luxury anyway. You know, we have so many other things to worry about in the in the months to come. Um, you know, it, it would have been nice to be able to find some solace in these movies that we love so much, but but there's plenty of other things, uh plenty of other streaming services. We'll be okay until until these movies can finally come to bear. Am I Chris, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I, the Lupe, are you still there too? No, I think he's he's muted. Okay. So I'm, I'm with you. I I think that first of all, if you just want to talk about like movies, you know, forget about the other ramifications, just movies that it's upsetting, forget the coronavirus, but it's upsetting that movies are getting punted to a later date. Quiet place Two, no time to die. And I could care less what the other exiles say. I'm upset that Black Widow is getting moved too. So, because uh, I, I really could care wait, wait, less, I want to see that what's movie. Black Widow. Yeah, all right. I don't want to talk. <laughs> Good Good Black Widow. <laughs> anyway. Jesus. Every single pod with you, Manu. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> God. But, um, you know, look, all joking aside, yeah, do do we want to see these movies and, and them getting moved to a later date, uh, especially repeating what you said when you could find a little happiness in a time when all of us are on edge and we're, we're scared and, and, and maybe some of our loved ones are ill and all this? Yeah, it would be nice. However, I would gladly sacrifice – this sounds terrible because we just talked about the economy and it's a movie industry, but I would gladly sacrifice a year of no movies coming out into theaters if coronavirus gets – 
gets defeated with the vaccine, that people are no longer sick, that the overall economy is getting – we have an end date for all this because that's the other thing. People are just like – I think there's a psychological aspect that that um, Lupe hit on a little while ago that's very true. Every time you hear about another five movies getting the boot to another date, it psychologically punches you in the face to say this is not ending anytime soon. It's not over. And we look to these movies. We look to these these forms of entertainment as something more than just something that we you know enjoy for two hours. There's so much more that goes into a movie. All of us love movies for so many more reasons. They, there's memories with our parents and our loved ones and our wives and our husbands and our boyfriends and our girlfriends. And it's just there's so much more to it. And every time another one of these movies gets the boot, it, it saddens you. It scares you. It's just another knife that just gets stabbed into you. That's like, oh my god, this is never going to stop. So yeah, I think there's a larger psychological impact to that. And the final thing I'll mention before throwing it back to Lupe is something that we touched on at the beginning. It's the economic part of it that it takes so much for one of these movies to be made. You know, like Fast and Furious Nine. Okay, maybe it's basically done. But what about one of the other movies that? isn't done yet it's going into principal photography or they're only halfway through or whatever you punt that movie down everything gets screwed up the whole supply chain that that supports these movies a lot of movies get made in montreal now and all these other places those economies are completely screwed down because there's an entire industry that it, that it depends on them so yeah i think Georgia's this has another far one reach. george a lot of stuff is shooting in georgia now ever since they got those tax breaks right. in there and that, that's gonna hurt right. a lot I agree. I, I, I think that, yeah, I think this is going to have long effects, more than just the psychological effects of seeing these movies go. And, of course, the, the selfish effect of saying, I want to see No Time to Die when I want to see No Time to Die. Right. There, so I think there's more far reaching effects than just those two. But I think those two are important as well. Because psychologically, you want these movies. Yeah, I'll just add real quick. Uh, I think that that's actually a good thing. This reminder that this is not going away because a lot of people are not taking this as seriously as they should. That's true. So I think that the the realization that oh wait they're pushing movies back by a whole year, and and there's still a lot of of you know people trying to to keep everyone calm and like I know that 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 yeah, the NBA that. and the Premier League are all trying to 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 finish find ways to finish out their seasons like like no bro like let's just let's just see what happens but they're out here trying to find ways to finish the seasons before June 30th and so on and so forth and I, I think yeah. that that's just not yeah. being respective of what's happening so I do think that you know, yeah, it's a it's a it's a gut punch, but I think also it's a necessary one for people to understand how how serious this is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree yeah. with both of your points. Both of your points. You're you're both right from different um from different uh, vantage points, right? Um the the only sort of unique angle I can take to sort of like look at this is like I look at the list and um many of the movies they sunk marketing costs into into the movies. Obviously, to varying degrees, depending on how soon the release date was. But one that was like really concerning and shocking to me was um, a Quiet Place Two, because the movie was shelved like a day or two before its release day. Mm -hmm. Like it, they were already doing press interviews, like the rounds, like. They were going to be going to the movie premiere, um, and the red carpet, all that stuff. The movie was supposed to come out, and all of a sudden, it was supposed to come out on the weekend, and all of a sudden, on, on the Thursday, uh, John Krasinski 
um, made the post announcing that it had been suspended. And I, I got to give him a lot of credit because that was one of the first movies that did it due to the health risk. Um, before before that, No Time to Die doing it, it was more seen as a financial concern um, because of what was happening in Italy and people were not, you know, yet aware that I was going to migrate to, you know, other countries and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, he, 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 he made that post and his primary concern was about the well-being of people. And as we've said before, even with the, we made a post on, um, on Twitter saying that we will not promote any movies that were shown in theaters for the period of the coronavirus pandemic until you know everything was under control because we just could not we, we just could not in good conscience encourage people to go to gatherings where they may be infected by a virus uh no matter how low the mortality rate is we just couldn't do it so for john krasinski to be one of the first people to uh take that that step i was really um very proud of very proud of him despite the fact that they were just days away from from a launch. So this is affecting so many people in, in in so many different ways. As we discussed earlier, it's going to be interesting to see what this postponements are going to do, the knock on effect, the domino effect, uh, how movies are going to try to position themselves in terms of release dates. Because a lot of times they stake out these release dates very very methodically. It's a very scientific, very um, you know well studied art. And oh, so yeah, you're not just trying to move it to an open window. You're trying to move it to a prime window. Um, so uh, it's it's going to be very, very uh, interesting to see um, the knock-on effect of this. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we will see. So the last uh, section that we'll talk about, we're going to talk about movies in production that have been postponed. And basically, it's all the movies that are in production right now. <laughs> anything you can think of, just throw it in the bag. The list Everything is stopped. Unlimited. Um, and basically, it's it's just because um, our, our, way, our way of life has changed. Um, we're working remotely now. We're practicing social distancing. Um, and so, all crews have been called home. This is going to be so expensive because there are some costs and some some people who are on payrolls and they're paid for for their time on on uh on projects and then their 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 logistics that have to be handled making a movie i've played with some uh uh, when I was when I was in uni studying economics, I did some project management, and there's some programs that you use to schedule um, things like movie shoots because they're so expensive. Every single amount of time has to be accounted for. You're renting cameras that will cost you like ten thousand dollars a day to 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 rent. You're hiring people who will cost you ten thousand dollars a day to be on your payroll, that sort of thing. You have insurance costs, um, that sort of thing. So postponing productions is not easy at all. It's very prohibitive. That's why um, a good example and a good real-life example of this is, for example, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, 
that came out um, in 2018, I think it was 2017, I think, um, the cost of the movie was reported to be about $200 million. But the movie actually wasn't too, didn't cost $200 million. It's that it had gone through different iterations, had been postponed, people had been fired, they brought on new writers, new crew, new directors. So over the years, the costs ballooned. And that's the kind of thing that can happen to movies. And now we're talking about movies being postponed on such a massive scale. This is just, it's almost mind-blowing to think of the the effect that this is going to have. And then this is going to also sort of, you know, be tied into the movies that were supposed to be released that have postponed their due dates. Now all these movies are going to be jockeying and shuffling for position. The postponed movies are going to have an effect on movies that aren't in production, but we're going to come out. So, for example, like Avatar sequels that are supposed to come out. Marvel movies that were supposed to come out. DC movies, movies that, you know, they sort of stake uh, release dates years in advance, even for production. There are movies right now that are being written that are going to start production maybe at the end of the year that haven't been postponed. What's that going to do to those movies? So, logistically, it's just going to be an absolute nightmare, and everybody's going to be on such shaky ground. Uh, so you guys, what do you think about the whole situation? Uh, let's start with Christian. And I, I, unfortunately, I apologize. I missed a little bit of what you said. It was just because of the connection. So I just want to make sure I'm highlighting the right thing. What would you like me to, to concentrate on? I, I would just like you to concentrate on the, the movies that are in production that are being postponed what's the effect going to be the the short-term effects the long-term effects and the financial costs um what, what do you think of that situation as it pertains to the coronavirus oh, okay so that, i apologize i thought that's what you were going for so i just want to make sure that was in the right spot i think we you know we touched on some of that um you talked right in here about avatar right so like right now basic if am i mistaken in like every avatar is on pause right now like the whole thing is is stopped right yeah so whole, all of avatar whole, whole, stopped yeah the so whole. you guys you guys know how much goes into those movies i mean those those <laughs> movies are, are well that's true too i guess but <laughs> nobody, nobody knows how much how much camera got going on in there like you might have real life spaceships up in there that we'd have no idea about <laughs> It's it's incredible when you, you know what you just made a good. That's actually a very good point. We have no idea exactly what's going on there. Um, it, it just those movies themselves are a massive undertaking. When you decide that you have to pick up and move, I remember uh, I think it was a couple years back when they were filming one of the X Men movies. They were talking about how Montreal now, and you mentioned Georgia a couple minutes ago, Manu. Montreal is like this apocalypse. This brand. It was an apocalypse. Mm -hmm. So that you know Montreal is now this new hub. You know, and they and, and they are massively courting Hollywood movies to go over there. And they now not only have an economy that's based around that, but they have an entire infrastructure supply chain that's all part of that. You I'll add it's not just it's not just Montreal, Vancouver as well. Yeah, has been, has been getting in there. Mm -hmm. And and the reason, you know, you start punting these movies too much and too long, not only when not. OK, you're hurting the economy right now and it has to. And it's be I think. The long answer, yes, I believe they're doing the right thing because you have to protect your employees. You have to protect the people that are going to be – you have to protect the people in the city. You have to protect everyone. Right now, 
the draconian measures that they've enacted in some of the Asian countries and now they're starting to do in parts of Europe seem to be the only way to stop this thing. So it looks like you have to shut everything down. That's how you stop it. So they're making the right decision, I think, by shutting down actual productions of these movies because you can't have – the people like, you know, Manu talked about all the people at the beginning, like the, the, the guys that hold the boomsticks and everything. Those, they, you can't have those guys dying and spreading the virus to their old grandmothers and grandfathers and everything and potentially killing them. You simply can't have that. You need to stop this thing in its tracks. So most likely this is the right decision. I still believe it's the right decision. But after everything starts ramping up, hopefully in the future, that's going to stress an already stressed supply chain and already stressed infrastructure in those areas. So now, now you're going to have to ask a economically stressed area to ramp up production. Right, that this screws everything up moving forward. This is going to take a long time, I think, for everything to get back to normal. And you guys mentioned it before. You yes, you made fun of the MCU a little bit, but let's use them as an example, right? So Black Widow's done. The Eternals are going to have to stop. What happens for the future? They plan themselves three movies a year. They now are feeding all this crazy bullshit into Disney Plus with Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm -hmm. and all that stuff. That's stopped mm -hmm. now. When you mm -hmm. stop that stuff, you can't just turn the switch on and all of a sudden it comes back. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. That studio has movies planned all the way out to 2024, 2025. Mm -hmm. That's going to screw them all up for the future. And then what happens to all the people that they employ? Forget Feige. He makes his millions mm -hmm. no matter what. But it, everybody that they employ, it, this is just – it's incredible, guys. I don't even – I personally – from a, as a construction guy and all that, I don't even know if I can fathom the economic impacts that this is going to have moving forward. I will say I think it's the right decision. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But no, I, no, I just think it's not the wrong. Right I, I concur with you. It's, it's the right decision. Just the fallout, is, it's going to be a logistical nightmare on it's a, a nightmare. and macro level. Because one thing you were talking about, you know, um, Marvel and, and what they have to in terms of how meticulously and fine-tuned their whole cinematic universes and these are movies that cost you know 100 million 150 million 200 million these are not you know small movies and then also think about actors because actors plan their shooting schedules based around their availability for movies so if you're just shuffling release dates round and round or production dates as we're talking about right now round and round what's that gonna do when um an actor who was going to be available for uh, a movie and has another movie that's supposed to be starting its shoot in December? What's that going to do? It screws everything up. I mean, it screws everything you, up. It's going to be a nightmare. We're talking about Avatar. Avatar is probably going to have the same actors going at least in the first two sequels. And those are huge productions. What happens? Are you going to be able to get those guys back when they're planned in 2021 to go to another shoot? Exactly. Think about movies like, for example, um, we, we've been talking about um, the Uncharted movie that's supposed to be shooting with Tom Holland. That movie, <laughs> Even that we, we, <laughs> we made so much fun of the movie in terms of saying, oh, it's never going to happen. They're just talking. It's dropped the director. Next thing we're like, guys, it's actually going to happen. They're going to start shooting in two weeks. Well, guess what? Nope. Who's, the, who's the director on that? The director, um, they got, I can't, they got, I can't remember. They got a new director, but he's a he's a decent, uh, he's a decent director. I can I can look it up. Who directs um, Black? Who directed Black Widow? 
no idea. Char- <laughs> Kevin Feige. Chris, who directed Kevin Black Feige. Widow? Christian? Does he not know or did his community or did his internet fuck up again? I, I, I am, I, it, this is all me. I am so sorry. <laughs> this is like the fourth time. I, uh, I, I, at first, I thought it was Lupe. I'm blaming Lupe, saying it's Lupe's internet connection, and I think it's me. No, Lupe's, <laughs> Lupe has had issues as well. Yeah. I'm sorry. You were. At, I don't even know where you were at. What were you asking? So, I was asking you who's uh, the director for Black Widow. It's Kevin <laughs> Feige. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's the director what I thought. It's, it's Kate somebody. I think it's Kate. Yeah. Kate. The director Kate for Uncharted. That's terrible. Kate Ruben it's Kate Fleischer. Storland, I think. Yeah. It's Fleischer? Ruben Fleischer? Yes. Who, who I like Fleischer. Venom. Yeah. Yeah, I, like it's a, I thought it's a good director. Yeah, yeah. Good, he did. Good. He did a uh, Zombieland one and two. He's a yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a good pickup. Yeah, yes, it that's is. A good pick. it is. I mean, I terrible actors cast in the movie, but yeah, did they replace Tom Holland or not? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Manu, what do you think of the whole productions being being postponed? Uh, I say that I have never been happier not to work in Hollywood until right now. Uh, I just it's it's gonna be it's gonna be horrible. Like I just don't know how 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 do you go about fixing this? Like you guys just brought up how much how much like planning goes into these things even before a light is set up. How do you just tear everything down to build it right back up? You know, we're like no, it, it's just really it's just going to be an incredibly difficult time for everybody. We keep saying it. And and um, I, I, they ha- they have a smart, brilliant people working for them, and, and and you know hopefully they'll be able to manage as best as they can. But there, there's no way that no one's gonna feel the hurt from from what's happening. I think it's gonna be very important for them to put down any competitive, selfish human nature and work together. The studios wow. are all gonna have to work together. To support the industry as a whole through time, um, I know some of the the companies are very. Um, I'm not going to name any names. Are quite cutthroat, um, but if if they don't collectively, it will be collectively it will be it will be a loss for them. Um, it's quite interesting because um, I haven't asked Zack Snyder directly, although I did talk to him about coronavirus and and taking care and he he assured me that he was on it um how it's going to affect um streaming because streaming is a lot more is a lot more agile in terms of like making changes to like release dates or that sort of thing um also what movies what stage of post-production are you in or what state of production are you in so if you're shooting definitely those ones are definitely uh the most vulnerable to uh the disease so those ones have to be but if you're in a stage of post-production where people can work remotely um and especially if you have a director who's very hands-on so for example Zack snyder he's someone who does a lot of this is someone who cuts his own trailers Someone who does his own, his own um, coloring in the digital intermediate suites does it himself. Um, so it, it will be interesting to 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 see how different productions are affected um, 
in different ways. Uh, but the, the whole thing's interesting. And it's a, it's a good segue. So, for example, a movie that's been long in the making, The Batman, has been in production for a long time. And it was announced that that movie also, uh, production is being postponed. Um, I hope that Robert Pattinson doesn't lose his muscle mass in this downtime <laughs> because it's already not to existence. Uh, but guys, we we haven't Ooh. really we we can take a little bit of a break from you know talking continually about coronavirus and, and let's let's get a little bit more lighthearted. I want to know what are your reactions to the uh, official and unofficial reveals of the bat suit, the Batmobile. Also, there was a bike uh, that that first from some behind the scenes photos that we saw. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Kristen. Kristen is always like positive. He's a nice guy. <laughs> so let's start on a positive note. Christian, what do you think about the reveals for Bat Reeves Batman movie? I'm really offended. I just want to put that in. Like, you just expect me to like just crap all over this stuff. Like, I'm really well, offended. Yes. Let's see. Yes. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see if you'll prove us wrong. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Uh, I fully expect that. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, when, when the first reveal came out, I know Paul and I went back and forth. We talked a little bit about it. And you had the, the first reveal of Pattinson in the, the Batsuit. I mean... I, I, look, I, I, I hate to say it. I, I didn't think it looked bad. I know a lot of people right away on the internet wanted to go after it. I didn't really think it looked bad. It was more meh than fantastic and it, not necessarily terrible. But there were certain parts of it that I liked. I know there's a big theory going online that the bat symbol is made out of the gun that killed his parents. We don't know if that's true or not. So that's just a theory that's going out there. To me, if that is something that happens, um, then, okay, that's a little more badass, and I think that's kind of cool. But his outfit looked a lot more like the Arkham Knight and our, you know that series, and that's really good. I think it had like a militaristic kind of look, a very basic kind of look to it. The cowl bothered me seriously bugged me it just looks like it's a piece of leather that's stitched together and it's like you got this militaristic kind of bulky badass mil you know look where he's got armor and then he's i don't know is he if he gets hit in the head with a bat or something like that he's gonna get knocked out <laughs> so i don't you know that thing's not stopping anything it's just like a piece of leather that looks like it's stitched together so it's like really weird i didn't there were a couple photos that then later on if you guys remember they were on the set and they were much lighter Mm -hmm. And it looked like it was a stunt double that was in it. Mm -hmm. And some of the pictures from the side, it's almost you could tell that was not Robert Pattinson because he was way too bulky, that guy. And the guy that was in there was thin. And the profile photos from it just really didn't look all that hot. But then when they had a couple of the pictures that were dead on center, then it looked a lot more like, again, Arkham Knight. And I was liking that. I, I really think I'm liking the Arkham Knight. Look, they have not given us too much of a background on what time frame this movie takes mm -hmm. place. And all we know is that it's younger. It looks like they're wiping the Snyderverse away, so this is probably not the Ben Affleck Batman as a younger man. Uh, it looks like it's something else. It could be. How, how the hell do we know? We don't know. If no, it's not because Gordon is black all of a sudden. <laughs> That's because I think they're probably going to flashpoint it out. I really think they're going to blow this universe away and reset. I know everybody's on really has different opinions on that. I, I just I still have a feeling they're going to wipe that universe out and they're going to just pick and choose parts that they like that work and then boom, move that into a new universe. So they're going to say, oh, we like Al Gadot, So there we go. We'll put that. In. Oh, we like this Batman, so we'll put that in. That's kind of what they're going to do, but maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't matter. But if they're really 
you know, Lupe said this once before, and I thought that he was dead on with this. If they're really going for some sort of period piece here, um, this is Batman in the 1980s or something like that. He's a young guy. A lot of this works. If they're going for a, now a Batman existing in 2020 to 2025, let's say, let's say, I don't know how much of this works. So the reason I like some of this is because I'm going on that. But the, the, the last thing I'll mention before we move on to anything, before I pass it to you guys, is that Batmobile. The Batmobile has is always reflective of what Batman is doing at that particular moment. The Christian Bale Batmobile was the tumbler. It was a tank, and that represented that particular Batman. The Batman versus Superman Batmobile was a Batman that had given up on his past and was now killing criminals and stuff. He had lost his way, so his Batmobile was a beast. That makes sense. The 1960s Batmobile was this really strange, you know, sleek, sexy sports car Batmobile. Even the Tim Burton Batmobile fit Michael Keaton. Mm -hmm. If this Batmobile, which looks kind of like a Dodge from 1978 or something, if this if this Batmobile is that if it's a period piece and this is the first thing he ever created and he's 29 years old, I don't know, whatever. I'm liking this, but if it's not. And it's 2021, and he took a car from his father's garage and decided to turn it into a Batmobile. What are they doing? You guys tell, answer me the question. What are they doing? It, it, it just because then it just looks like he put like you know bulletproof stuff on it, and it, okay, now he's Batman. So my bottom line is, I think it's too early to tell anything right now. It looks cool in certain aspects, but other respects, it looks like we've almost taken a step backwards from even what we had in the Dark Knight trilogy, which is very strange. Because as Lupe said, we really should be moving forward with this stuff instead of making it look like we're going backwards. Unless they're going for some sort of period piece. So, I don't know. Throwing that out there. All right. Manu, hit us with your positivity that we're we're so hotly anticipating. Gee golly, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Houdini uh, Batman. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I like Matt Reeves. I like Matt Reeves a lot. I like. I really like his two Apes movies. Uh, I think that um, they're they're fantastic films uh, with great writing, great story, great acting, and great use of, of CGI and practical effects. I think he's he's a really good director. He's a so uh, I think that uh, hiring him uh, was a, a a good move. Uh, so I do not blame Matt Reeves for what we're seeing, because I don't care if this is taking place in 1980. I, I don't care if it's taking place in 2020. This is unacceptable. This is a Batman movie. What the hell are you guys doing? Well, what is this? Like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like this, but no, none of this is but you inspiring. Do. None of this is inspiring. None of like when I saw this, I wasn't excited. I, I'm I'm 33 years old. I've I've seen almost every Batman movie that's come out in theaters, and I've always been excited for every one of them. But I look at this, and I'm thinking, huh, is this for a Batman movie or is this for a Batman CW TV show? Hmm. And I said this when we were talking about Birds of Prey all those months ago when that first trailer came out. The issue that we're seeing with these DC movies is WB's lack of confidence in the franchise. And what we're seeing here is more proof of that. Everything we're seeing, you know what it screams to me? Low budget. 
low budget. WB did not want to put money into this project because they just do not know how the public will react to a new Batman movie so soon after BVS and Zack and Affleck. And that's what we're seeing from the costumes down to the uh, to the cast that was hired. None of those guys that they hire are bad actors, but there's not a single A-list actor on that roster whatsoever. They're all very cheap people that are already on their payroll in one way or another. Zoe is uh, playing is in their HBO show, as is uh, the guy that's playing Gordon, and so on and so forth. You can go down the list. All all I'm seeing is budgetary re- is is just budgetary restrictions that have led to every single decision that is made on this project. And Lupe said it when he brought on the topic, when he meant that this movie has been long gestating. We know that this film has gone through a ton of rewrites before he even got to shooting. And I believe that the reason for that was because Matt Reeves' plans always went too far above what they were allotted as far as budget was. That's the only thing that makes sense to what we're getting here. Like, yeah, you could say, yeah, it's the 80s or it's a young Batman, but no, this stuff just looks cheap. And we're seeing it beyond just Batman movies. We saw it in Birds of Prey. I know Lupe just said he liked that movie, but Birds of Prey did not have proper financial backing. Neither did Joker. Joker, they were so out of touch with it that they cut up their production costs as much as they possibly could. At the end of the day, this is what happens when a company does not have faith in its product. And and I think that it's a shame that you know this is what we're getting from this Batman movie. And I, like I said, I like Matt Reeves a lot. I think he's a very, very good act, good director. And I and he did uh, the Apes Three with less money than he had for Apes Two. So my question is, how much is the budget for this movie? Is it under a hundred million dollars? Because that's what it's looking like. Can I uh, add, throwing out a question real quick? Emmerich is the head now, right? It's Toby. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of. Uh, anti-DCers, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that for the moment, throw out that they their belief is that he, what he wants to do is make low-budget movies and crank out as much possible profit as he can. I don't know enough about the guy. Is that true? And do you yeah. think that this is... I mean, he's he's, this, he's this the is New Line guy, right? He's from New Line, right? That's what New Line was always known for. Yeah, That's yeah. what New Line's always New Line. known for. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, that's fine when you're making low-budget horror movies with Sandra, with Adam Sandberg. Yes. But it's a very different story when you're doing a Batman movie. And we've seen Batman movies. And I'll go even a step further. This is a problem that I had with the new MCU Spider-Man. After seeing uh, Garfield and Maguire and their larger-than-life Spider-Man, it was really hard to go back to, to, to go to, uh, to uh, what's his face's Tom Holland. Spider-Man. Tom Holland Spider-Man because we've seen the big Spider-Man movie and and now we're going back to this small movie where he's driving a car. Like it, it's just like and that seems like what we're getting here with Batman. Like we've seen big big Batman movies, like 200 million dollar Batman movies. And and to go from that to this low-fi, low-tech, I don't I don't know what to call that. It's it's really disappointing. But then again, well, with everything we've to... seen from with everything we've seen from WB, honestly, it kind of uh, is something that you know that that should be expected. Well, there is uh, something to be said about how you know Batman's the world's greatest detective, and we should get a detective film noirish type of story. 
However, the counter argument to that is, do we really need to see something similar to that yet again? We've seen no, no, but but something... but but one does not one does not betray the other. You can have a dark noir Batman movie, but just put the budget behind it for it to you look can. the way that people are expected to see Batman look. You because, can because there was seeing because because I'm sorry, this Batman costume. The Shazam costume and the costumes in Birds of Prey are not movie level. Like this is this is ridiculous. And I said this when we saw that first trailer for Birds of Prey. They need to do better, and they won't do better if we keep just throwing the money every single time they release something. All right, like let, like let me let me let me speak. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting to to get in. All right, so you guys, you hit it from two different angles. Um, I agree somewhat, I disagree somewhat. So, um, Christian, you brought up the fact that, or the the opinion that this may be something retro, like the 80s, 70s, something like that. I don't have no Uh, idea if it is. You said maybe, 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 which which is something that I also threw out there in in some of our discussions off podcasts. one one thing that may support that is that if you want to really do a, a detective, like, you know, super, you know, classic film, noir detective, a lot of uh, screenwriters talk about how moving back in time is always good because, you know, you don't have, like, cell phones, you don't have satellites, that sort of thing. So it makes using your own brain to solve problems rather than computers and cameras everywhere and a network um, uh, to solve problems. So that could be something that points to them going back in time, possibly. All right. Uh, Then, however, as Manu said, that does not preclude it from looking amazing and looking good. Now, Manu talks about budgets. I actually disagree with Manu on Birds of Prey and this in terms of budget. To me, it's not budgets. It's taste. Because to me, the costumes and the VFX in Birds of Prey were perfectly fine. They actually looked high quality to me. The problem was the taste level. And that's something that I've always been concerned about Matt Reeves on for this project, but I never uh, sort of expressed it vocally because I just really haven't been in in a state to comment too much on DC films that are being made at the moment. When they come out, I'll talk about them. When I see things on them, I'll talk about them, but I don't obsess over them because there isn't that level of excitement there for me. There are a lot of, of other movies that I can focus my attention on. One thing that made now, now there, there are two counter-arguments to this. One, Christopher Nolan, he was not a comic book guy, but he made an incredible Batman movie with really good taste in terms of like the design of, of the costumes, the design of the Batmobile, the design of the Batjet, that kind of thing, the Batcave, all those, all those things. However, then you had someone, Zack Snyder, who was really a comic book guy, and that guy, he just took it, like, to the next level. Like, Ben Affleck's Batman looked like he was straight out of the comics. Um, his height, 
his build, the design of the costume, the Batmobile, Zack Snyder said he intentionally, he wanted to make it a hybrid between the tank that Nolan had set up, which was a brilliant idea because when you think of it, it needs to be a tank. You cannot drive a regular car out there against like, like criminals who have no restraints on them. It's not like they're just trying to, to softly, you know, hit you. Like they're going to have guns and high-powered weapons. You have to have hey, a tank. Hey. Matt, Matt Reeves just told you to hold his beer while he shows you you're wrong, bro. Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then what Zack Snyder was able to do was he took that tank and then he said, I'm going to make a hybrid with your classic, fantastical Batmobile, the impractical, you know, Batmobile that we see in comics, that we've seen in comics in the past, or in um, Tim Burton's Batman movies. Those were quite stylized. And make something that's more practical than a hybrid of both that's where Zack Snyder really succeeded and as Christian said we're moving forward it's like okay the ideas are getting better we're 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 moving forward and this just looks like we just went all the way back and I think it's a taste thing because if you look at Matt Reeves apes movies Matt Reeves is a great director great storyteller but he's not really good with like the, the, the way to say in layman's language is badass action or making things look badass. That's just not his forte. It, it's, for example, Zack Snyder is someone who, that's just like, it, it oozes out of him. Like making things look badass, making them look epic, making them just look larger than life. Like he speaks that language. He's fluent in that language. And Matt Reeves is not. And that's why I've always been concerned that we're going to get a great story. I, I honestly do not doubt that this is one of, going to be one of the best Batman movies we've ever had in terms of the story. But visually, it's not going to be good. The action is not... And I, I don't mean it's going to be bad, but it's not going to be great or memorable. You're not going to get a scene like the warehouse scene in Batman v Superman. Now, Christopher Nolan wasn't really good with action scenes, but Christopher Nolan is good with action set pieces. There's a difference between hand-to-hand -hand action and action set pieces. Zack Snyder is good with set pieces, hand-to-hand -hand action, car chases, whatever it is. Nolan is good with set pieces, so there were some great set pieces he was able to put in there to, you know, amp up the action, the excitement. I don't think Matt Reeves is good in any of those. And that's why you see this bat costume. I don't think it looks cheap. I just think it's just really bad taste. The, the I think I think, I think it's both. I think it looks cheap and it's really bad taste. I, the, the, the the Batmobile, I just think it looks it's cheap. cheap. Like the the engine, like the engine part looks very sophisticated. If you actually look at the engine from the back, it looks very sophisticated. Like they dropped a super engine, but you dropped it into into a, a Fast and Furious car. What's this? this is going to be? Is is the villain going to be like Dom? <laughs> it's going Toretta. against Batman. It's just, it's like it's, it's laughably shocking. What, a, what about the bike as well? Like, like but, I, I'm sorry. Like, I hear what you, I hear what you're saying about bad taste. But, it's but like the, taste. but to me, the idea of the low budget thing, I just can't shake it. It, it just does not look like it's. It, it just, it just does not look like they did the proper investments into these things. Personally. I, 
personally, I don't think that no matter how incompetent... And, and I'll even go further. Like, it's not just... It's like I mentioned earlier. It's not just how these things look. Like, even the actors that they cast. Like, when's the last Batman movie where we haven't had an A-list actor in it I, at I, all? I don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that the actors are, are, are low-budget. Not in my opinion. Maybe in your... I don't think... Like, so, for example, when Christian Bale got on... On the first Batman movie, he wasn't the biggest actor in the world. He wasn't. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He had done a bunch of interesting stuff. But yeah. he American wasn't. Psycho. People like, like Gary Oldman. Yeah, it was Gary Oldman. They were, they were yeah, good was... character actors, but they weren't like the biggest. They're just like like the same with these guys. Like, Don't forget Colin Farrell is in this movie. Repentance is one of the most desired actors, but he's been doing small stuff. He has a huge following. I'm talking about people like and, like and you know what you know what that even even Patterson's casting again that that to me is not is not it's bad like, taste. I, it's even even if for me they cast Patterson because he was the opposite of Affleck, it's, like to me like, just bad taste. Like it was the opposite of Affleck. People didn't want like people had an issue with this older, gruffer, bulky Batman. So we're gonna give you the complete opposite. You know, a slimmer more low tech or whatever whatever it is that they're doing it just seems like they're just doing the complete opposite to please the people that didn't like Affleck's take on Batman and that leads to a lot of these decisions being made and to a lot of the things that we're seeing it's it's all reactionary it's just more of that stuff i i just i just think that I, i'm i'm really disappointed i'm disappointed but i kind of knew it was going to happen because one thing that a lot of people just haven't really allowed to sink in is that Matt Reeves has not shown the the fluency in in comic book language, fantasy language, badass action. He in anything. He just hasn't shown that in the past. Um go watch the Apes movies again. Good cinematography, very good acting, great story. I, I absolutely adore those movies. Absolutely love the tone of them. Love the seriousness. Very thematic. Um, but yeah, but just but not badass. Nothing about those films is like badass in any way, and so that's what you're seeing here. And so, I I still think the movie's going to be good. To end on a positive note, I'm not you know ragging too much on this one thing. Is I try to stay objective, regardless of what has happened in the past. You're always going to get. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. I don't think that that's how it should work. I don't think you can forget what happened because those decisions that were made in the past lead to well, what we're seeing today. I don't think yeah, that. Yeah, no, just put that aside. I But I have to be objective in terms of if it's something that's good, then then it's then it's good. That's just that's just the no, way. No, no, I agree. I agree on that. I just yeah, what I meant if it, was if it's terrible, I'm going to say it's terrible. That's just it. I'm I like well, you know what happened in the past. So for example, like. We're talking about stuff, you know, with the Snyderverse, with the DCEU, the way it was mishandled, mismanaged, how they, they took the wrong cues, how they pivoted at the wrong time, they didn't show confidence, how they betrayed a lot of their fans, they ignored the fact that those movies made a, a lot of money, might not be Marvel money, but they made a lot of money and they were quite successful. Um, those are issues that that can be resolved in their own sphere in terms of, one, Campaign to have the Snyder Cut released. Yeah, but even and then those also things, those are things that we're still seeing the effects of. We're still seeing yeah. them make the same mistakes. Yeah, the of same, course. Say, yeah, they're still yeah, making. Yeah, them. Of course, but when they don't make those mistakes, you have to point it out, right? If they yeah, make, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Well, hold I'll on, wait. 
I saw I'll Birds wait. of Prey, and Birds of Prey to, is actually a good movie to me. It's not perfect, but for example, Suicide Squad is a movie that's hugely flawed, and I love it. No, no, Shazam's no, a movie that's not good. Look, 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 I'm not, no, but wait a second. No, hold on one second, though. Wait a second, wait. Because I'm not even talking about the movie in and of itself, but the the way that that movie came about, the choices that were made to make that movie, even the choice, some of the choices that were made in that movie, the ones that I've known about, because I haven't seen the movie, are all due to to a lot of these things that we just talked about. So, so therefore, so it's really difficult. It's really difficult. Yeah, but to separate the, the day, history. Pardon me. Yeah, by the end of the day, is the movie good or not? All right, I suppose. I suppose. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it. See that that that's the other thing that I, I have a question about as well, right? Like, so now I agree with you guys that I believe that DC has been mismanaged from the higher ups starting from what they perceived was going in the wrong direction in BVS. So that was their perception, right? So then they did what they needed to, what they felt they needed to do. And now the movies that we're getting now are different. I ask you guys the question, though, look, you're both very big fans of the Snyderverse. I'm not as big a fan of that verse. I'm not. I, I think Man of Steel was fantastic. I thought Batman versus Superman was a step backwards, actually. I don't necessarily adore every little thing that DC is doing, but I appreciate some of it. But there's people out there that actually seem to really like it. They really seem to like what's going on. So is some of this just a matter of taste? And are, are guys like yourselves going to really always just close the door then and be like, you know what? I'm not into that. I'm not hey. watching that. That's crap. That's bullshit. I'm not I'm, watching. I'm, I'm going done. to. I'm going to be. I'm going to answer that question as honestly as I can. I'm not going to be a hypocrite or whatever. I am a big fan of the Snyderverse, and I do think a lot of this stuff is crap. And if other people like it, that's fine. I'm not but jumping that into mean it's any... crap. That's the problem. As far, it as, mean far as as far as I'm concerned, it's crap. See that's, that's the key. That, and that's all I'm and, and that's all I've ever said. All I ever do is give. Well, I don't my know if opinion. a lot of people feel that way though. Well, I don't really, know if a lot of people feel that way. Well, so so basically, this is this is my stance on it. One, DC, they had a lot. Of, so basically, what they've done is that they had fans and they've splintered the fan base. That's what they've done. The way that I look at these films now is that I'm no longer a fan. So, for example, Chris, you're a fan of the MCU. There's pretty much nothing wrong that the MCU can do in your eyes. And if they do something wrong, you'll probably give it the benefit of the doubt because they've done right by you. That's yeah, because they, yeah. they have done wrong, and I usually, you're right, I will give them the benefit yeah, of the doubt because Manu and I have talked about some things yeah, when I have, I've fine. been disappointed. That's perfectly fine because they've done right by you. On, in the larger scale of things, they've done right by you. But as someone who feels that they've done wrong by me, I do not owe them any allegiance. Sure. So that sure. doesn't mean now for me, for me personally, that doesn't mean that everything that comes out I'm gonna hate. It's just that I'm gonna treat their movies like I treat any other movie. If it interests me, if the marketing pulls me in, I'll go see it. If I see it and it's good, it's good. If I see it and it's bad, it's bad. Now, before, when I was a fan, if I see it, I'm most likely giving it the benefit of the doubt. I'm most likely more lenient on it, more, most likely accommodating of its flaws. For example, I always say this. Suicide Squad is a movie that has a lot of issues with it. A lot, a myriad. But I absolutely adore that movie. 
for some valid reasons and for some some of the reasons are just you know having uh, an affinity for the property and the stories that they were trying to tell. Um, some of them are just more objective in terms of like the costume, the tone, that sort of thing. Um, but now I've entered after you know what they did, the errors that they made with the with the Snyderverse. Now I've I've transitioned to the phase where they're just movies to me, and they'll be treated like any movie. So for example, like Birds of Prey, the marketing was absolutely horrible. So that didn't encourage me to go see it. But upon seeing it. I felt that it was good. It was actually a good movie. For example, Shazam, I had no interest in, in seeing it. And when I finally saw it, I thought it was terrible. Aquaman, I actually, you know, went to see it and was excited to see it. Uh, but ended up being actually quite a bad movie. Um, hilariously bad, enjoyably bad, in the vein of like a Fast and Furious movie. So I, I, I guess at this point, everybody has the right to believe what they want to believe. Um, I just think that the mistake that they made was that they had a fan base, a very strong and passionate fan base, and they splintered that fan base. They went against that fan base because we're trying to court Marvel fans. Just... Some now, of see, that's yeah. That's where you and I have so, always agreed. And, and, and We've another question I have is like, how do you explain like the dwindling opening weekend box numbers? Like every movie they release, the 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 opening box office just seems to to get lower and lower. Oh, like even Aquaman's, absolutely. even Aquaman's box office was what sixty seven million the first year, the first week, but it had like it had a lot of long legs. Aqua, so don't so, forget, Aquaman is um Aquaman. That's Zack Snyder's. That was that's so so what's so what's going on there? Like there's this the there's this is, narrative is the there's this narrative that they're on the right track. Yeah, they're, getting, they're getting they're it's getting they're getting they're getting better rotten tomato scores and so on yeah, and so forth. But is is it is it really oh, translating? Is it really trans is it really translating into into a real fandom? Is it really tra- is it really translating into true excitement? Because because well, I, I, I said I said it's crap, and you said you don't think that everybody agrees with that, and that's fine. But and again, I'm not somebody who looks at the box office like it's the end all be all. But has the conversations around DC films what what they sacrificed was it worth for what they have now? And I think that's well, I think this question. I think what's guys, important is what Lupe said. To, 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 do you guys remember when Zack Snyder or DC would drop a trailer and it would just destroy the internet? Like, it would just absolutely break and crumble the internet. You don't have that anymore. You don't. No, you don't. And, and I think there's a couple of things. Number one, what you said I think is very true. They splintered the fan base. They had something going. I was fine. I didn't necessarily love what Zack Snyder was doing, but he had – you and I have talked about this before, Lupe. He had a cohesive story, that he, and he had a plan that was stuck together, and I was fine with that. Keep going on that direction. That was cool. When you decided to blow it up and go in another direction, that's when I got pissed off. I like some of the movies. Some of them I don't. But – his come on that 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 universe is not for everyone and i i would actually say that some of those those trailers that did blow up guys the ips from batman people just got excited they got boners just from batman and superman being in the same movie i mean nerds were just on they were off the wall what about they were going, like comic Squad? band and everything i mean come what on about, I, I, 
I mean, Suicide but Squad had a ridiculous cast, man. Suicide Squad had a ridiculous cast, man. But you like can't that... turn around every time and say that this works because Snyder was involved and this doesn't because he's not. Actually, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's just a period. I'm not. I'm not. That's, that's that, the infer- that. that's the inference I got just uh-huh. on you when I listened to both of what you just said. That's the inference. Look, for me, for me, it has absolutely it nothing is. to do. For me, it has absolutely nothing to do with Snyder. It really doesn't, and it's and it's something that's really frustrating because I feel like it's something we can't talk about. Because as soon as you say that you have an issue with this new direction that DC has been taking, everyone says, "Oh, it's because you're a Snyder bot." Oh, it's because you love Zack Snyder. Well, because it's always one or the other, right? It's yes, never, but that well, I understand. But, but, I but all right, but from where I'm standing, it has nothing to do with Zack Snyder. That that what happened happened. We can't we can't act like it didn't happen. It happened. But if you're going to look at the movies that have come out since his departure, like the this new, like you said, like the, those Zack Snyder movies, those weren't for everybody. These new movies they're making aren't for everybody either there's no, nothing not. that's they're for not. everybody there's nothing that's one size fits all oh, I mean, no, what did i just that, say a couple minutes ago they're, they're, they fucked it up i just said that yeah. i just so said that, that so when when i'm looking at these movies that are coming out when i'm looking at the costumes when i'm looking at the directors that they're hiring because a lot of them i i also don't have much excitement for like i'm so like i'm sorry that i'm more excited about a david ayer directed movie than i am a kp yan one I'm sorry that I would prefer seeing a Rick Family a Flash movie than seeing an Ava DuVernay Gods of War movie. Like, it's not just about, oh, Zach is not around anymore. It's like everything just seems like a downgrade now. Mm-hmm. Everything, like, like, from a time when we were so excited and we were getting these incredible casts. Like, Affleck was going to direct Batman. We have Ben Affleck as Batman. Del- had- Guillermo Del Toro was going to direct... Um- uh, Justice League Dark. Like, Those were the type of like that was. That look at that was Suicide Squad cast. You had Jared Leto and like and, and Will Smith and Margot Robbie and and Tom Hardy was originally supposed to play Rick Flag, but yeah, he, he got dragged back to do reshoots for uh, for that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, and they had to change him out. Like well, like th- that's guys, the thing. Like that's what I'm talking about. Is well, this level of of faith and invest in that property that we're not seeing anymore so like now what they're doing is they're investing money into gimmicks and into into social media things that are going to get like a certain you know and you guys talked about all that stuff with birds of prey like the decisions they're making are not artistic they're not decisions made out of oh my god this guy is such a great talent he's going to do something different and interesting and exciting it's we can afford this. It's this person has a following, and, and it's and it's really kind of uh, of of sad to go from what we had to what we have now. I like it, like I just, just sorry, just to inject Christian, just to sort of assuage your concerns that it's Snyder or nothing. Try to try to rationalize this fact. Mo, not most, all people. Who liked the Snyderverse? Love Joker. I'm not. Good, I'm not even going to say most. All, hundred percent, absolutely freaking adore Joker because Joker is in the style. It it has the same ethos in terms of doing something different, doing something creative, 
high-level filmmakers tackling these genre films in unique and special ways. I I I haven't seen Joker for personal reasons, uh, but I do respect the fact that it does have Joaquin Phoenix, who is a high-end actor as the lead. You have Robert De Niro. You have the the you like that. What I appreciate about it, at least, is they tried. You know, they they tried to in, like even if WB had to go out and find the money elsewhere because they didn't want to pay for it. At least there was like at least there was there was there was investment in talent and and that's what I'm not seeing anymore. Okay, well that decision I mean that discussion went on for for very long. It was super passionate. Um, I think there's some blood on the floor. We'll clean that up after. But um, guys, that brings our episode 24 of ENN to a close. Uh, we went through a roller coaster of emotions um yeah but I, I i'm i'm glad we're able to record this episode in this you know very trying time i hope that our audience out there stay safe remember this is a dialogue we, we we'd love to hear back from you if you have any opinions on any of the topics that we discussed uh tell us how crazy and insane we are tell us how right or wrong we are uh, we talk back. Our Twitter handle is the Film Exiles Podcast. Manu is from our uh, sibling pod at the Exiles Net on Twitter. Um, and this is a sign out. So, uh, Manu, where can people find you to curse you out and tell you how Birds of Prey is like the greatest movie ever and they stand? Um, where can they find you on Twitter? <laughs> they can find me at Man United 0710. Uh, but they might not want to send me that. <laughs> <laughs> and Christian, um, where can people uh find you to tell you that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the greatest thing ever and they invented movies and they're the only ones allowed to have a cinematic Oh Jesus universe. Christ. <laughs> how, come, how come he gets a good one? <laughs> yeah, because you know, honestly. Gets- how can I'm you in get the same people boat. that agree with him? <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat. I haven't seen friggin' Birds of Spy. I haven't seen that movie either. So, Lupe, you're the only one. You're yep. the only one. You I told you it's good. Uh, I know. Hated because I don't want to see it. But that's okay. I got my MCU stand friends to back me up. Anyway, you can reach out. I'm on the same place on Twitter and Instagram at chart6363. All right. And I have been yours truly, Lupe. You can find me on Twitter. And on Vero at Live Love Lupe. Guys, stay safe. Practice social distancing, uh, self isolation. Take care. Don't panic and do anything crazy, but you should be fearful. Fear is a healthy uh, emotion. Just make sure you're brave, you, you overcome it, you take decisive, smart uh, action, and we'll see you. The next time on another episode of Ian. Until then, stay exiled for real.